morning, everyone. Thank you, music team. Thank you, Sarah. Now, can you believe it? It's almost December. Goodness me, one month to Christmas. One month to Christmas. So I'm pretty sure things are going to ramp up over the next four or five weeks. It's going to be hectic for everybody. It's just, just how it is, isn't it? It's just weird that uh, of all the time in the year that we're busy, but we're even more busy at, during the holiday season, right? It's ironic. Right. Um, well, a few weeks ago, I, I was wondering what, uh, what I should share today. And, uh, and I believe that God has put something in my heart to share, which is quite challenging for all of us, and even including myself, and especially as we come into Christmas, um, and especially with the events that has happened politically and everything that has gone on in our nation the last three months. Uh, I, really, I sat down and I, I wanted to find out, God, what, what is my right? Is there, is there a right inside me that, you know, that I should have, or should I actually strive for more rights? What is right in a world full of rights, <laughs> you see? So, and we're not talking about the other right, all right? Like when you're driving and I tell, <laughs> I tell Shavin, you're right. No, 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 your other right, right? All right. So, is my right always right? Right? So that's the question, isn't it? Right? And, um, and I believe that there is a prevailing spirit within uh, us Western society and even in our uh, sort of affluent society. I believe there is a, a very rampant spirit of entitlement in our society. Uh, whether it's in the church or outside in the marketplace in the world, there is a very, very strong sense of entitlement in every person. And before I start judging others, I realize that I myself struggle with it now and then because that's the way we are brought up. We are brought up with this consumer-orientated society, isn't it? It's all about what I want what I want, what I need, what you can give to me. And we bring it into the church as well, isn't it? It's like, what can the church do for me? What can God do for me? What can my pastor do for me? Right? And this is a prevailing spirit that, that God has challenged me to, to start delving into and start to look at what is its roots and what can we do about it? Is, it. is it true that we have to give up all our rights as Christians? I don't think so. I don't think so. So where do we strike that balance? And I hope that today, that as we explore this subject, that the Holy Spirit can put a little bit of revelation into each and every one of our hearts, including myself, as we, as, as we, as we sort of explore it together as a church. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you, Lord, that it is you who give us wisdom. It is you who sheds light, oh God. And I pray that today, that, Lord, that your word, most importantly, will, will prevail not my thoughts, not other people's thoughts, but your word prevails, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Right. Is my right always right? It's a loaded question, isn't it? Right. Now, so the first thing we have to find out is, is there a difference between being entitled to having a spirit of entitlement? Right? Because is it wrong to have an entitlement? Of course not. In fact, our children are entitled to our inheritance, right? Um, but if our children develop a sense of entitlement, that's not right, isn't it? Right? In the same way, God has given us lots of entitlement, 
right? We are entitled to the riches in Jesus Christ. We're entitled to forgiveness and grace. But if we carry a spirit of entitlement when we interact with other believers and when we come to God saying that, God, you owe me something, that something's not right, isn't it? Right? So why don't we get a little bit of definition, eh? A little bit of definition on what entitlement is. Right. So I looked up, simple, what is entitlement? It's a noun. In the Oxford Dictionary, it says it is the fact of having a right to something. Right? But in the same paragraph in the Oxford Dictionary, it says something about a sense of entitlement. It means the belief that one is inherently deserving special treatment or privileges. Now, I'm sure that when you think about that, you, can, you have a short list or a black list of people who has an abnormal sense of entitlement. And, uh, <laughs> and who knows that, you know, you might be thinking of somebody else and somebody else thinking about you, right? So, uh, but I'm sure that we've come across people with that sort of attitude, all right? When I say spirit, it's not, ooh, that sort of spirit. The spirit is an attitude. All right, an attitude of the heart, it, it sort of influences your mood, your, the way you look at things, your thinking. It's the spirit of entitlement that we want to expose today and that we want to bring it to light so that God can work within us. Now, being entitled versus the spirit of entitlement. I can boil it down and as we look through scriptures, that entitlement is always given to us. We never ever obtain an entitlement. Entitlement is always given to us. We are entitled as Australian citizens to have the right to free speech, right? That is not a spirit of entitlement. That is what we are entitled to, all right? We have the right to vote for government. That is our entitled right. That is not the spirit of entitlement, all right? You got to get, you got to get the definition right before we get into, you know, the, as we explore this topic, we have to get the definition right first versus the spirit of entitlement which always arises from oneself, all right? It is an attitude that of the heart and has nothing to do with what you have as a right as a citizen or what you have as a right as a child of God. You know, it's, it's an attitude of the heart. So salvation and all these things that we are blessed with as Christians, it is our entitlement, all right? Never forget that, all right? God has given us more entitlement than we ever deserve. Right? And it is our right as Christians. And God, we are, I'm thankful that we are, in a, we are in a very blessed country and we are blessed with many rights as well. Right? Now, when we look at the spirit of entitlement, it is very much rooted in pride and selfish ambition. Right? Now, you think, oh, this is such a disease of the modern age. Actually, it's not. It was back even before time began, right? Pastor Rob talked about the original sin. Original sin is not a movie. It's not anything else. But it is when Satan, or back then when he wasn't Satan, decided that he's better than God. And then he felt that he is entitled. I'm sure he's entitled to many things as the head of the angels, Right? Uh, but he decided that he can ascend to the Most High in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13 to 14. They say, I will be like the Most High and I'm going to be just like God because he felt that I'm so powerful, I might as well be like God, right? So that is the spirit of entitlement. In fact, the spirit of entitlement, I believe, 
prompted Satan's downfall. And it was the same spirit of entitlement that, that Satan tried to tempt Eve with, right? As you can see from Genesis 3, verse 5 to 6, he, said, he tells Eve about not, if you eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. See, same thing, same concept, right? And the woman was convinced. All right, we don't blame the woman because the woman convinced the man as well, and the man was equally guilty, all right? So this is not a, this is not a woman bashing, bashing scripture, all right? We are both equally guilty, all right? So the woman was convinced, and then she wanted the wisdom. Can, can you believe it that, you know, soon after God created Adam and Eve, He gave them authority. He gave them so much entitlement. You know, you can, they can rule over the creatures, they can name the creatures, they can do whatever they want, except eat that fruit. But then the spirit of entitlement came in and tempted her to rebel against God. Can you see, can you see where I'm getting? Right? So it happened even from the start, all right? even before time began. And you can see the spirit of entitlement being, it prevails throughout history. Throughout history, through the times of the people of Israel, when they are suffering and God delivered them and they go to the, to the desert and they started complaining. Because, oh, we're eating the same food every day. It's like, oh, we're entitled for more. God give us more. You know, when they get into the promised land, they want, they, God has given them judges and people to look after them, and God wants to be their king. But no, they say, God, we are entitled to have a king. All right, we want a king. They re rebelled against God once again. All right, and throughout history, even into the New Testament, the Pharisees, the Pharisees think they're entitled to some special treatment just because they know the law, right? Even Jesus' disciples think that they are entitled. In fact, they were fighting with each other, saying that, oh, who is going to sit by your right hand on your left hand? You see, this is the spirit of entitlement, and I think it is one of those little foxes that destroys the vineyard. So it is a metaphor that God uses that we have to keep in check the little things that nip and nip and nip. All right, so it is one of the little foxes that we have to keep in check, especially during this Christmas season, because there's going to be a lot of entitlement this season, and there's going to be, there's going to be you know, people that will not be happy. All right, when people are not happy, or even we, now, we ourselves are not happy, it's very important to do a little bit of a check, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal this attitude in our hearts. There's four things that defines the spirit of entitlement. One, it's always about ourselves, all right? It's always self-centered. And because we are self-centered, we're always critical of others. And we are never, ever satisfied with what, with what other people have given to us. We're never, ever satisfied with what God has given to us. And in the end, it leads to rebellion, all right? As you can see, it always starts with the spirit of entitlement, but in the end, the end result is full-on rebellion, Right? From the Garden of Eden all the way to the New Testament, it starts with being self-centered, you become critical, you're never satisfied, leads to rebellion. And as we look through a few examples of Scripture, I want you to remember these four characteristics so that you can say, oh, yep, that is the spirit of entitlement. First, this is a very, very good example of a spirit of entitlement. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 to 27. It is the story of Naaman, right? Naaman, as you know, uh, if you do not know the story of Naaman, Naaman was uh, a commander, is an army commander of the nation of Aram, all right? So Aram was, 
like a rival country, and at that time, it was sort of ruling over Israel. It was suppressing Israel. It was oppressing Israel. So he, he basically is a powerful army commander, and, but he had one problem. He had leprosy, and he couldn't find a cure. But a servant girl told him that there is a man of God called Elisha in Israel, the nation that your nation is oppressing, that can heal you. So what he did, he brought gifts to the king of Israel. He brought lots of things to the king of Israel, thinking, I believe, that he could just buy because, just because he is entitled, because he is like a powerful man. Um, the king of Israel, of course, got stressed, <laughs> thinking that, who, who do you think I am? I can heal you. But then Elisha knew, and Elisha called Naaman to his place. And now, if you're a celebrity, you rock up to this place, you're thinking that you're going to get the red carpet treatment. Oh, no. So, Elisha got his servant to wait for him at the door with no red carpet and told him, look, you go and bathe yourself in the Jordan River seven times and then you will be healed. Now, if you can read the scriptures, Naaman was very insulted. All right? But you know what? God had to deal with his spirit of entitlement first before he gets his miracle. All right? So, it's very important that sometimes we think that, God, you're not doing something for me. But is it because we are not listening to what God wants us to do at first because of our pride? because of our spirit of entitlement. But thank God that Naaman listened to his, his other soldiers begging him, please go and wash in the dirty Jordan River, please. All right, just, just humble yourself and do it. So he went and do it and he was healed. And you can see that once God dealt with his spirit of entitlement, he's a new man. You see, he, he now, you actually saw an early, an early version of a, of a conversion. He actually became a believer. You know, he said, there's no other God now, and I want to go back and worship God, but please, b please, uh, may God forgive me because I have to go back to the king and have to bow down to the idol once. You know, it's a very, it's a very sort of like a newborn believer sort of, a, sort of struggle and thinking, all right? So it's, it's great. And he wanted to pay Elisha, but Elisha said no. You sometimes wonder why Elisha, might as well Elisha just take, you just take the gift, hey? So he's rich, he, he, can, he can fund your ministry, right? But, uh, but no, and I believe that there may be a purpose behind that because God wants to teach Naaman that this miracle is by grace. It is not by his works, it's not by his riches. Now, so that, that is Naaman's side of the story. But I'm going to bring to your attention the Gehazi side of the story, which is very, very sad. Now, in the same passage of Scripture, we, we come to know about Gehazi. Oh, who is Gehazi? Like, I don't know. The first thing I thought Gehazi, I thought, oh, it's a, it's a nice name to put into a disease. Gehazi syndrome. Or Gehazi thing. All right? Okay. But no, it is like a syndrome, actually. Yeah. Gehazi is one of Elisha's probably top servants because you hear his name mentioned a few times in, uh, when Elisha does his ministry. Um, Gehazi, witnessing what has happened, he decided that no, we should get paid, right? We should accept that gift. Even though his master said, we should not accept the gift. But I believe a spirit of entitlement came upon Gehazi because he believed that because of the work we did, we deserve to get paid, right? So, now, we all have that sort of, that sort of feeling now and then. Is that sin? No, but if we entertain it, like how Gehazi entertained it, he led him to rebellion. If you actually read the scripture, he actually secretly went out to Naaman 
he actually lied to Naaman. He said that my master has two other prophets coming. Can you give us some money? And of course, Naaman says, okay, take more. And he took it back and he hid it in his house. All right? So he actually, number one, committed fraud. He lied and he even took his master's name in vain, in a way. So he actually rebelled against authority in the end, like, like I've highlighted in the previous slide. All right? He was self-centered. He was not satisfied. He went into rebellion. So he rebelled against his master. And as a result, God judged him with leprosy. So whatever Naaman has got, got into Gehazi. Right? Um, it is a very sad story, people. But it also shows that this is how that little piece of attitude actually festers into something worse. It's almost like a cancerous thought process that actually develops into a full-blown disease. Right? Now, we fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus addressed the issue of entitlement as well in the parable of the lost son. Because we all know the parable of the prodigal son. We know the parable of actually the prodigal sons. Um, so what happened in the parable of the lost son is the youngest son decided that I'm entitled to my inheritance. All right? The spirit of entitlement led him to rebellion. Right? He rebelled against his father. He says, give me your inheritance, which is as good as telling his father, you are dead to me. All right? It is the worst thing a son could ever do to a father. And you know the funny thing is, the father could have just murdered him on the spot. All right? if, um, but the funny thing is, the father allowed the son to have the inheritance. Right? And you ever wonder why? Is it just because he's so full of love? And Of course he's full of love, because this is a parable of how God approached us. He is the father and we are the prodigal sons. But sometimes you wonder why God let allow him to get his way. You wonder why God allowed the youngest son to have his way. Is that because sometimes God allows us to suffer the consequences of our own actions? Right? And God's, as much as God wants to always steer us in the right direction all the time and making sure that we don't, we don't sort of harm ourselves in the process, Sometimes because of, of our rebellion, God just let us go. God just let us go, right? And there's nothing that God, you know, could do in a sense because of our free will. Now, Romans chapter 1, verse 24 to 28 actually summarizes uh, a lot of what's going on in the world today because everyone thinks that they are better than God. The world thinks that they don't need God and say, Lord God, we rejected you. And God actually can't do much but just basically abandon us to, to suffer the consequences of our, our decisions, right? Uh, if you read Romans chapter 1, verse 24 to 28, you, read, you can see it about three to four times that God says, but God abandoned them to their selfish desires. God abandoned them uh, uh, to, to suffer the consequences, right? So God actually sometimes had no choice but to allow us to suffer the consequences because of our poor decisions, of our rebellious decisions. And then you hear the story, you read the story that the younger son became, came to his senses, right? After he squandered the wealth, uh, he, he was living with the pigs and he wants to come back to God. He wants to come back to the father. And the father, as you have read with the story, the father, upon seeing his son, he restored his son, gave him a robe and have a celebration all right? And it shows that how God deals with us when we 
actually humble ourselves back to Him despite of our spirit of entitlement and the consequences that we suffer, that God still restores us and reinstates us, right? And reminds us that we are still His children, right? So that's how God does, that's how sort of God addresses us even when we've stuffed up because of our spirit of entitlement. I also want to point out to you the oldest son's response because he himself had a spirit of entitlement because he came in and he got angry because his father was celebrating the return of his brother. And if you read the scripture, he says, oh, I've worked for you. I haven't even got a goat for my, for my birthday when I go and celebrate with my friends, blah, blah, blah. You know what the father said? I, I'm glad that the father didn't slap the other son because actually the father actually did the same thing. He actually reminded him that everything that he has is his, right? God actually did not reprimand him, but God actually says that he reminds him and actually reassures him, everything I have is yours. So I want to tell you today that despite what we do or some of the consequences of our own poor decisions because of whether it's spirit of entitlement or whether it's anything else, that God always reminds us of His love, of how He sees us, all right, and of what we are to Him. So, we got to keep this spirit of entitlement in check, isn't it? Right? And um, I think it sums up in four things. Four things that, that defines the spirit of entitlement and four things I believe if we keep, we will always keep the spirit of entitlement in check. Right? The first one, which is the most important, is gratitude. Now, I got this picture from, uh, from Google Images. I thought it was, it was great just to put in there that gratitude begins where the sense of entitlement ends. All right? The first and most important thing that we have to always keep within ourselves is actually a heart of gratitude. All right? When you have gratitude, you will have less of a sense of entitlement. Right? When we have a heart of gratitude, you know, we, we begin to see things differently. And that is why we always give thanks to God. Right? As, as Christians, we, we give thanks to God before we eat. We, we come and we sing songs about, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Right? Sometimes it becomes just like, like verbal diarrhea. <laughs> you know, we, we just say, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We praise you. We praise you. But actually, thanking God is important. Right? It's not just part of the, the prayer structure. Okay? It is actually a good thing. And even Jesus thanked God every time before he did a, did a miracle. All right, Lord, uh, he says, Father, I thank you. All right? And before he fed the 5,000, he gave thanks. All right? That's a very important thing for us to have, even in this Christmas season, to maintain a heart of gratitude, of thankfulness. Rather than thinking what I can get out of the whole season, what I can get out of this person or that person or from that, that shopping mall or that organization, which I know we will, but uh, you know, uh, it's, it's also very important for us to have a heart that is, you know, th that is thankful, and contentment. If you are thankful, you will be content, right? First Timothy chapter six verse six: For godliness with contentment is great gain. For we got nothing when we came to this world, and we'll have nothing out of it, right? The third thing: is trust. Right? When we have, when we have a heart of gratitude and we are contented, we learn to trust because we are thankful, which is the most important thing. We're thankful that God has blessed us, God has all these things in store for us, and because we are thankful, we will begin to trust. 
If we don't look back at all the things that God has done for us, then it's very hard for us to trust Him in the future. Isn't it? Yeah. So it's, uh, hindsight is important as much as foresight. All right? We need some hindsight to develop a healthy foresight. All right? So everyone says, oh, you just leave it all behind and don't just forget about yesterday. True, but not totally true. All right? Because hindsight teaches us a lot of things. And the fourth thing, and I can invite the worship team to, to come back up on stage, is servanthood. Now, when we give ourselves to others or to something else and we take the focus away from ourselves, you will find that life is much more satisfying and you will keep the spirit of entitlement at some back closet somewhere. Right? And before, before I close, I just, want to, I just want to actually elaborate a little bit about servanthood, um, which is not basically giving up your rights, right? In fact, I want to share with you John 13, verse 3 to 5. This is when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Right? We all know that story, but I want to point out to you the scripture before he actually did the act of washing his disciples' feet. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So Jesus actually, ne Jesus never had a problem with self-esteem. He never had a problem with uh, uh, thinking that there's something more that he has to get. All right? Jesus was contented. Jesus knew what he's entitled to. All right? Jesus is confident that God has given him authority. Right? This is not a man that has no, no self-esteem or poor self-esteem. He actually knows his position in God because he knew that he got up from the table and he served. All right? So it's very important that as Christians that we have the revelation that God has given us authority over many things. And because we know of that authority, we can serve. Right? Not because I want to serve God so that I can get the authority. Not, we're not supposed to serve because we can get that favour from God, but it's because we are loved, we are cherished by God, and He has given us the power to overcome. And because of that, we serve. And, so, and that will keep the spirit of entitlement in check. So as I close, I believe we should, we should spend just a couple of minutes worshipping if we can uh, sing the chorus of... Uh, all on the altar. All right, yeah. Um, and as we worship, you hear about in the scriptures about people casting down their crowns at the feet of Jesus, right? And as we lay it all down, all right, we lay down our crowns. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want to give us the crown. We already have the crown, all right? But because He's given us the crown and we are confident in Jesus Christ of what He's done for us, we can lay it down before His feet, not at other people's feet, but His feet, and worship Him. And so, shall we pray? And then I will leave it to the worship team to, to lead us in that chorus. Shall we pray? Holy Spirit, we thank You that You have given us so much more than what we could ever imagine, and You have so much good things in store for us. And I pray that in, even today, that as myself and my brothers and sisters sort of come before you lord we lay down our pride we lay down our selfish ambitions and we ask holy spirit that today that you're instilling us a heart of gratitude that you instill in us a heart that is content 
Lord, you help us to trust in you, Lord, even Lord, when, when we feel that life is unfair. And that, God, you help us, Lord, to serve you with the right heart. In the mighty name of Jesus, oh God, we just pray, Lord, for all my brothers and sisters that have, that have experienced significant hurt in their past. Lord, because of the spirit of entitlement or because somebody else has hurt them, I ask for healing today. I ask, oh Lord, that you will restore our hearts. Lord, that let every bleeding heart, Lord, be patched up by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your healing and thank you, oh God, for coming to us, for giving up your rights so that we can have all these rights. And that is why we are reminded this Christmas, God, that you came because you gave up your rights. You gave up every right that you could have so that we could enjoy all these rights that we enjoy now. We thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's stand and worship God.